Welcome to the Bermagui Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. Here you'll find the recording of messages from our weekly gatherings. We pray you'll be challenged and encouraged by today's message. So the last couple of weeks we've been continuing our journey through the book of James. So if you do have your Bibles, I encourage you, we're going to be having a look at the, the last few verses of James chapter 3. So yeah, there are some Bibles outside there if anyone wants one off the shelf. But the section starts to address wisdom. And the fact is, you know, we, we live in a day and age where we talk about, you know, the, that, that knowledge is just increasing, you know, at just amazing levels. You know, the, the, the fact is they can't print books quick enough to keep up with the amount of um, discovery and, and, and new information that's being made. You know, like the fact is, you know, even within my, my Bible college course, they sort of said, you know, like, you know, yes, reference books, but just know that the books are probably the older sort of um, studies and, 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 and research that people have done. Because by the time it goes through the whole process of getting printed, there's already new papers that might be readdressing things or reshaping things slightly differently. You know, things are just getting faster and faster and faster, aren't they? You know, we've got computers now. You know, the fact is we've got devices and they can sit in our pocket. They can process information, you know, so fast. You know, just the... Um, the ability that we've got to, to be able to analyze data and, and, and process things is just you know, getting quicker and quicker all the time. And so you know, people would sort of say that we're in the midst of you know, this explosion of knowledge. But is there wisdom? Because even though you know, we live in such a, a developed world and such a, in that sense, a knowledgeable world, We've still got people's lives in shambles. We've still got, you know, position and power and prosperity just making a mess of things. You know, in our modern world, we've got so many homes and families disintegrating. So many hopes are smashed and so many dreams are dashed. Where's the wisdom? Because the fact is there is a difference, isn't there, between knowledge and wisdom. I don't know about you, but I've, I've met, like, Take this with a grain of salt, and I'm not trying to offend anyone, but I've met some pretty dumb, smart people. Yeah? They might have multiple degrees and just have all this, you know, can be able to quote things and analyze things and say these things. But when it comes to just actually being wise with their lives, it's all over the shop. There is a big difference between knowledge and wisdom. And the defining factor it is, it boils down to wisdom. You could have all the knowledge in the world. But if you're not actually applying it, if you're not actually getting wisdom from the right source, it's going to send you down a path that doesn't work. James knew this. As he was writing his letter to the churches, he sort of said, what's what's the key thing I can give them? What's the key thing that I think everyone needs to be able to to do? Because James' letter wasn't just to, to one church. He was writing to the church. He said... His letter would have gone out with the instructions. Now, read it, copy it, send it on to the next group. Read it, copy it, send it on on to the next group. Because he said, this is a word for everyone. And so in his introduction, in James chapter 1, verse 5, his first instruction is that if you need wisdom, ask our generous God. If you need wisdom, ask our generous God. And he knows people are going through tough times. His, His starting opening verse is basically sort of saying, hey, Consider it all joy when you're going through tough times. 
because it usually means you're on the right track when it comes to God. But if you need wisdom, ask. And the fact is, I know about you, but I'll be the first to throw my hand up on that one. As a father, as a pastor, you know, I'm constantly saying, God, I hope I'm getting this right. I'm constantly going and going, God, make sure, guide me, lead me, show me the right decisions, the right steps to take. If you need wisdom, ask our generous God and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. Now, James doesn't say, hey, if you need wisdom, buy my latest book. If you need wisdom, come to my seminar. You know, it's got nothing to do with him. He goes, no, if you need wisdom, ask our generous God. And so in chapter three, what we see is this two distinctions that he makes. He speaks about two types of wisdom. He speaks about the wisdom of the world and the wisdom of the word, God. And the fact is the world's wisdom is rooted in the secular. It's sensual and it's satanic. In the words of James, verse 15, which we'll get to then in chapter 3, he says, Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, and of the devil. And the fact is we live in a, a place and time where more than ever I think we actually need the wisdom of God. I don't know about you, but it's, it's actually a real effort and it it's almost feels unnatural almost to be trying to plan and think of what's happening down the road for us. Does anyone agree? Things are just so uncertain and we've lived in such uncertain times for the last two years, two and a half years really, that, you know, yeah, we, we can still make plans. We can still say, yeah, I think I'm going to do this. I'm thinking I'm going to do this. But at the same time, there's that general thing, who knows what's going to come around the corner though. More than ever, we need the wisdom of God. And so what James does here is he defines his two wisdoms. And he really does just sort of say, well, if you're going to make a choice, I think the obvious one is there. He, he doesn't beat around the bush, James, does he? So what we're going to do, we're just going to read the whole section and then we're going to pull it apart a little bit. So you've got, got it open, James chapter 3. Verses 13 through to, I think it's 18 is the last verse, before you hit chapter 4. He says, if you are wise and understands God's way, I'm reading from New Living Translation, so it might be different to some of the Bibles out there. If you are wise and understand God's way, prove it by living an honourable life, doing good works with the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you are bitterly jealous and there is selfish ambition in your heart, don't cover up the truth with boasting and lying. For jealousy and selfishness are not God's kind of wisdom. Such things are earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. For wherever there is jealousy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder and evil of every kind. But the wisdom from above is first of all pure. It is also peace-loving, gentle at all times, willing to yield to others. It is full of mercy and the fruit of good deeds. It shows no favoritism and is always sincere. And those who are peacemakers will plant seeds of peace and reap a harvest of righteousness. So we're just going to have a closer look at this account from James. Excuse me, I've just got a really dry throat. So that first session, you can see him describing this, this wisdom of the world. And he really sets this tone that actually links back to his teaching about faith. And faith is 
evidence in our good works. Where he says, you know, out of the good deeds, a result is access to wisdom. A result and a, and, and a reproduction and a correlation to walking in faith and walking out those good works is wisdom. So that first verse, yeah, verse 13, if you're wise and understands God's ways, prove it by living an honourable life, doing good works with the humility that comes from wisdom. So as we step out in faith, as we exercise and, and work that faith out in our lives, we realise and it draws us into the presence of God, it draws us into a relationship with God where we go, all right, God, I need your wisdom on this. So there's this correlation with that if we're walking by faith and we're stepping out in faith and activating that faith into good works, then the wisdom of God is available. The wisdom of God is, is present, guiding us and leading us through the Holy Spirit. And so James just dives into it and says, well, you know, make sure that we've got the wisdom of God because the wisdom of the world doesn't cut it. The wisdom of the world is what? Three things. He gives us three descriptions there. He says, it, is not, it does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. So let's just break those down a little bit. You know, earthly. He says that it doesn't come down from heaven. It doesn't come down with the insight and the foresight of the realm that's beyond space and time. It is shaped and conformed to the constraints of this world. It's shaped by history, culture, and opinion. It's shaped by the fear of the unknown. The fact is the wisdom of this world does not know what's going to come down the track. It tries to figure it out. It, it, it takes, makes predictions and guesses. But compared to the wisdom of above, that God is outside time and sees all of time in one go, I think that's where I want to get my predictions from. So it's earthly. It's, it's, it, it, it's, out, it's not connected to this realm that's beyond time. It's constrained by time and by humanity and by our brokenness. It's unspiritual, similar to that first point, but it's void of that God element. The spiritual nature, nature, nature does transcend space and time. And it also, it doesn't connect to that deeper part of who we are. We are all spiritual beings, whether we're saved or unsaved. But the unsaved, there's a, there's a spiritual yearning, there's a spiritual emptiness that's going on there, but they try to meet it with things of the world. So they're trying to meet spiritual needs at things that are unspiritual, and it just doesn't work. And the last one is, connects again to this idea of being unspiritual, is that it's demonic. There are people, and I've met them, talked with them, that believe that they receive you know, special insight, whether it's through their horoscopes or through meditation, through spirit guides, through all sorts of weird and wonderful things that they lean into. But the fact is, I won't back down in saying this, is that if you're tapping into things to gain wisdom that aren't from God, it's demonic. Because the fact is, you know, I'm not placing Satan on the same plane as God. He doesn't have the same insight as God. But 
He is of the spirit realm. And so he can twist and manipulate and give illusion to a wisdom beyond our own resources. But it's actually leading us down paths that we don't want to go down. It is demonic. He will lead us down a path, you know. John 10.10 10 says, you know, the, the enemy comes to steal, kill and destroy. So even at first, what the devil offers might appear good. Yeah, you know, I'm getting some great insight and I'm seeing things happen in my life and I'm speaking things into being through the power of word and thought. But all it's doing is just driving people further away from the truth of God. All it's doing is driving people away down a path that's going to lead to destruction. The wisdom of the world, as the verse has said in verse 16, it results in envy or jealousy. Yeah, envy, the description that the notes that I put together says, yeah, envy is the displeasure we take in another's good fortune. So instead of you know, celebrating with people and taking pleasure out of their good fortune, envy and jealousy is a displeasure. It's, 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 a, it's, a, it's an aggravation to ourselves because of someone else's good. And this idea of selfish ambition, you know, pushing others aside for our own sake. And what does that result in? Disorder. You know, verse 16, for where, you, for where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder in every kind or every evil practice. Now, it's funny. We don't have to teach that sort of response, do we? I don't know about you, but we see evidence of this even in your own children. Where their natural bent, their, that, that human nature, drives them to selfishness, not selflessness. We've got to teach kids to share, don't we? It's not something that happens automatically. The wisdom of the world is inherited through our sinful nature. And the problem is, is that people just continue to walk that road and they're making major decisions in their own lives using a wisdom that is faulted, using a wisdom that is limited. A wisdom which can be demonic, leading us down the direct opposite of where we actually want to go. So that's the wisdom of the world. So what does the wisdom of the word look like? If you're sort of browsing as I, as I, as I speak, you know, verses 17 and 18. Verse 17, But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Now, the Greek word there for wisdom is Sophia. And one of the little breakdowns I was reading described it this way. It's the keen ability to discern the Lord's hand in human circumstances and apply heavenly judgment to these earthly situations. So this godly wisdom, it's, it's grabbing the resources of heaven and applying to our earthly situations. It's grabbing that insight, that, that, that truth of the Word of God, that truth of the Spirit of God, and going, all right, how does that work in my life now? How does that work in these decisions and these, these circumstances I'm facing now? You know, this is the wisdom that comes from heaven. In contrast to the worldly wisdom, which is earthly. Now, Solomon says, the Lord gives wisdom. That's in Proverbs 2.6. 
And Solomon, you know, it was known as this great king, this king that was the wisest of all. But when you actually read the account of where that wisdom came from, it came from God. God came to him, speaking to him and said, Solomon, ask for it and I'll give it to you. And Solomon says, wisdom. Give me wisdom. So God grants it. You know, that nature of God, is just, he desires our best. Sadly for Solomon, he, he didn't continue walking that path. He didn't continue leaning into God for wisdom. And he let that wisdom get to his head. And the, the greatness that came to him get to his head. And by the end of his life, it led to a divided kingdom, not a united kingdom. But just look at that contrast that James is making. You know, the worldly wisdom he describes as earthly, constrained, confined to the, the, the nature of this world. Whereas the wisdom of the word is heavenly. It's a wisdom that comes from outside our space and time. A wisdom that comes from a God that desires our best. So when we apply this wisdom, what are the results? What are the fruits of it? First result is purity. That it's pure. And here the, the, the Greek term is, I won't whether well, I got the pronunciation right, is hagnos which implies a spiritual integrity. And again, there's such a, a beautiful contrast that James is making here. He's sort of saying, so what we get when we lean into God and go for God's wisdom is purity, this spiritual integrity, this spiritual authenticity compared to something that's unspiritual, something that is completely disconnected from the heart of God. That's the contrast he's making. He's just sort of saying, come on. I'm showing you the opposite ends of the scale. Which one do you want to pick? And then James makes this list, which you know, has some correlation to the fruits of the Spirit, has some correlation to you know, the, the, the outworkings of what pure love looks like when you look at the writings of Paul. But read it again, verse 17 there. For the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. That's the NIV way it's written in the NLT that I read from. But wisdom from above is first of all pure. It is also peace-loving, gentle at all times, willing to yield to others. It is full of mercy and full of good deeds, oh, and the fruit of good deeds. It shows no favoritism and is always sincere. Now, I love this idea that it produces patience and peace. You know, it, it's, a, it's a peace not only internally with ourselves but it's a peace with God it's a peace with others and I love how the, the New Living Translation put it here is that it is the fruit of good deeds again that connection back to our faith when our faith is operating well when our faith is operating the right way we produce these good deeds and out of those good deeds comes these, this outworking of godly wisdom And the fact is that description for me, again, is another contrast. We have those three terms that, you know, worldly wisdom is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. And now we've got this description of godly wisdom that it comes down from heaven, it's heavenly. That it's pure, spiritual integrity, completely connected to the spirit. And then this list, 
Uh, first of all, pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy, good fruit, impartial and sincere. I don't know about you, but that almost sounds like the perfect description that's opposite to disorder, isn't it? To the demonic. So to sort of wrap this up, you know, he's really sort of laying out these two choices. And the choice is up to us. Where are we going to lean? What are we going to lean into? What are we going to go to when we come to those decision moments in our lives? Are we going to lean into the things that just the world produces? Are we just going to try and analyse things purely from, from intellect? Or are we going to go, all right, God, I don't have all the answers. Are you going to surrender yourself to the Spirit of God and go, well, I don't know what the right choice is here, God. I need your wisdom. Guide me. Lead me. But as James says, you know, one results in envy, selfish ambition and disorder, where the other results in peace, purity, patience, productivity and wisdom. I think the choice is obvious. But at the same time, we've got to choose it. And we've got to be willing to surrender to it. I think that's a big part sometimes that we miss. You might go, yeah, okay, I know what, I know what the Word says. You, know, you might even have a good understanding of the Bible. But you actually surrender to it and just go, all right, <laughs> I know that may not be the thing that the world wants. It may not be the thing that the world expects. It may be opposite to what the world's telling me to do. But I'm going to be faithful to this first. I'm going to surrender to this first and just see what happens. Church, let me pray. Lord God, we thank you for today. I thank you, Lord God, that we can just gather in your name and just have an honest conversation and thought about you know, what it really means to, to, to go, come to you and ask for your wisdom. So, Lord God, you know, first and above all, Lord God, I, I ask for your wisdom as I lead this church and lead these people and, and lead my family. I ask, Lord God, you do just guide my decisions and guide my responses and reactions, Lord God, to, to just the, the ever-changing world that we live in. And I pray, Lord God, that you just stir in each, each and everyone's heart here today, Lord God, that you stir and soften hearts, Lord God, to your word. That when we do come to those, those, those points of conflict, those points of, of, of direction, Lord God, in our lives, that we lay ourselves down a second and we put you first. We thank you that you are a generous God, that when we ask for wisdom, Lord God, you do not deny us. We thank you, Lord God, for all that you give. In Jesus' name, amen.